Would you like to strengthen your marriage, encourage your children, and grow your family relationships? Join author and international evangelist Sammy Tippett as he ignites the flame in your heart for your family. I want to welcome you to Ignite Your Family Life, a a broadcast that will help you and encourage you in your walk with God and your walk with the people that you love the most. So we're excited today because I've got a special guest, a, a friend who loves the Lord. He's an evangelist. Jerry Drace, who uh, is in Jackson, Tennessee, and he not only loves the Lord, but he loves his family. He speaks around America about the family, and uh, not only does he speak about the family, he's written a number of books, and today we're going to discuss one of those, but before we do, I just want to welcome you, Jerry. Great to have you with us. And, Thanks, uh, brother. <laughs> I'm glad we're on, finally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we had a hard time getting this to work, but it's working now, and uh and, and just looking forward to what, what you've got to share with us today. Uh, I'm really excited about it. Uh, before we get into that, tell me about your family. Uh, just give me a little background on, on, first of all, your relationship with the Lord, and then your family, and how long you've been married, your kids, all of those things. I've been married almost as long as you have. We've been married 49 years. Beck and I have 49 years. Wow. And That's God great. Gave, God gave us two children. We have a son, Drew who is 39, and our daughter, Becca, who's 37, both married. We've got grandchildren like you. They love the Lord. They serve the Lord. I've been in evangelism, though, Sammy, since 1975. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went straight you know, out of high school to college, went through pre-med. I was going to medical school. And then, as we often say, God turned my heart toward the ministry. Went to Southern Seminary, graduated from seminary, became a minister of youth. And in 19, I guess early 75, God laid on my heart evangelism. And my wife and I prayed about it for several, several months. And so since 1975, we've had the Jerry Drace Evangelistic Association. Uh, and out of that, if you want to talk about it now, out of that came a very special minister called Hope for the Home. Hmm. And I didn't intend that. Uh you know, I'm like you. I was preaching revivals and crusades, and we were doing a lot of international work. But back in 1993, I wrote a lot of pastors in our nation, and I asked them a simple question. What do you need the most as a pastor? And I wanted to, I thought I was going to get some information I could you know, write sermons around. And when all of those men answered that one little question, the number one, the number one response was, how do we minister to our families? One thing I, I know that, first of all, I've seen a lot of guys who love the Lord, serve the Lord, have a heart for God, and yet their their wife or their spouse did not feel the same way, and, and man, it just was disaster. I've seen it so many times. Good people, you know, uh, people who really love the Lord. And so that wife is so important. I, it's, it's critical for me. God bless me with a wife. Uh, as you mentioned, we've been married 50 years. and um, and 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 that you know i don't see see how i could have done what i've done without her having been there with me and it's just yeah. been so wonderful for for us for 50 years walking with each other now um, tell me what what helped you first of all before we get into your book what helped you to build a solid foundation if you could point to one thing way back in the beginning what one decision or what one lifestyle or what one thing did you do that helped you to begin to build a home 
that would last for 49 years, that would go through the storms, that would go through the difficulties of life. Can you give me one thing? Sure. My family, my mother and daddy. Hmm. My dad and mother set the example. Now, my dad was a pastor, but dad never encouraged me to go to the ministry. He never he never implied, son, I'm a pastor or a minister. You need to be one. But I watched my mom and dad and their devotion to each other. Every night, Sammy, since I could since I could remember, I guess my earliest recollection was three years old, mother and daddy and me and my brother having devotions every night. Wow. Now, daddy never asked me for permission to read the Bible. He never asked me for permission to pray. I mean, at that time, it was turn off what you're doing, especially as I got older. And we had some scripture and prayer. And just their lifestyle is what Beck and I, and she had a great Christian family, too. That's what we kind of based our family on. Because, as you, as you know, when people get married and start raising children, or even before they raise children, they're pretty much basing their marriage on what they have seen and experienced. Mm-hmm. So... I had that. And then when God called me to evangelism, as I said, Beck and I prayed about it for several months. And I got some great advice from some godly senior adults who were in the ministry. And one of the pieces of advice was do not neglect your family. So Mm -hmm. I promised her if God led me into evangelism, I wouldn't take more than 20 to 25 meetings a year. And that would only I'd be home every other week. And we were able to keep that promise because. Basically, I average about 20 meetings a year. And mm-hmm. so just like you, if I'd fly out on Saturday, I'd be back on Thursday and try to keep the next week at home. But Becky, to her credit, man, I, every night when I was gone in a meeting, she would gather the children, Drew and Beck, around, even when they were babies. And she would show them on the map where Daddy was preaching. Mm. Wow. Becky would pray, she would pray for that place and that church every single night. So they felt it, you know, very much a part of our ministry. And then when I was gone, I'd call home every morning at seven o'clock their time. And I would read one verse of scripture with them out of Proverbs. I did that from the time they could hear my voice to the time they graduated from college. And we'd have a verse of scripture and a prayer over the phone real quick so they could go off to school. That's and, that, that's that's tremendous. You know, I, I kind of came up from an opposite background from you. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, Christian family. Matter of fact, I remember when our, our son was born, I can remember looking and saying, God, I don't know what to do. You know, I, I really don't. Because my father became ill when I was 10 years old. And so it was, even though it was not a divorced family, it was a, almost like a single parent family because he was in the hospital more than he was at home. And, uh, and, and I just didn't know how to be a dad. I didn't know how to be a husband. And, but the beautiful thing was I found an example in the Bible. God is our father. Jesus is, loves the churches as, as we're to love our wives. And so I started studying the family in the light of who God is. And it, sure. uh, and, and that's, you know, I made a lot of mistakes, but that was the foundation for me. And, and you mentioned the scripture. Tell, okay. You, you've written a book, uh, yeah. about the heart of a father uh-huh. and it's, it's, kind of unique not unique but i i guess it is unique it's it's a interesting approach to family life and that is you go to the book of proverbs and the first seven chapters and you pull out truths from it tell me a little bit about it let me show you you know they do it on television when they hold up their book and try to promote it <laughs> See, <laughs> out of this out of this book was born uh, a series of lectures out of the book of proverbs uh-huh so 
when we would go to a church, Beck and I have done about 300, 350, what we call Hope for the Home conferences in churches across our nation. And so every Sunday morning, I will teach the men during the Sunday school hour. And Becky would teach the women, you know, during the same hour. I started teaching the first seven chapters of Proverbs. And more than men and pastors kept saying, can you put that in writing? And I said, mm. well, I've, I've got it in outline form. But long story short, out of that, I sat down and wrote out in manuscript form what I was teaching. And that came the book from the heart of a father. And so within in an hour, I, I zipped through the first seven chapters of Proverbs. Now, if I'm there longer and have more time, I'll, I'll break it down. But I pull out key words and key phrases in those seven chapters. Because you see, Sammy, a lot of the young guys, the past daddies there are more like you. They don't know how to be a daddy. They don't know how to. In fact, none of us know how to be daddies. That's something we have to learn. When, when our babies are born, they don't come with instruction manuals. And, you know, kind of right. they, yeah, but they don't. And then when we get married, we're, we're new at that. So I'm like you, even with my dad, I would go back to the scriptures and try to read and, and, and apply what I, what I saw there. So I thought the first seven chapters of Proverbs would be just be very practical. And sure enough, gracious, I don't know how many churches we've done it in, but I still share it and, and pull out those key phrases, key words. They deal everything from finances to sexuality to how to choose your friends to how to look for something in life to do. All the themes are in those seven chapters. So to, to help me to understand this, you're basically taking the truths from those chapters that that Proverbs is, is the book of wisdom you know, that right. gives us wisdom. And, and you're sharing, OK, here's some wisdom uh, from a parent to a child from uh, for you to, to build your life on some ways in which you need to grow up in your life. Some, some great yeah. truths. And you're expounding on that and giving us some uh, counsel and advice. Give me, take one of those, just take one right now and, and share with me uh, something that you found that has been very, very helpful practically to you and to the 21st century parent right now. All right. In chapter one, Verses two, three, and four, there are eight words that are the key to the entire book of Proverbs. And it starts out with to know wisdom and instruction. And I break down what it means to have wisdom. The word wisdom means moral intelligence. And so I share with the guys, you can be smart, but not be wise. Right. If you're wise, right. according to God's word, you have moral instruction. You have moral knowledge. And, you know, Sam, you and I both know most people sitting in the pews on Sunday morning don't read their Bibles during the week. Mm -hmm. They just don't study the Bible. And I, I tell these young fathers, if you want to be wise, you've got to start with moral and religious intelligence, which comes from the word. And I try to get them not to be afraid of the word. How many people do you and I preach to all the time who have a Bible at home, but they never read it? And then I use the word instruction. And that word means to submit to higher authority. And I spent a few moments there saying all of us are under somebody's authority. You don't ask your children for permission to be a parent. If you do, you've already lost it. You're a parent because they're under your authority. I'm afraid what we see today in many homes is the children are running the home. And the parents are asking for permission to be parents. And when that happens, you know, you've lost it. So I break down verses two, three, and four uh, and tell them what those key eight words mean. And then there's themes how to choose right friends and how to choose wrong friends, how to choose wisdom. Chapter two, 
I talk about searching for treasure. That's the whole thing of chapter two. And I tell them a story about when I went treasure hunting once. And these guys can really relate to that. Chapter three deals with your future and your finances and your family. See those things? And so, for instance, I tell them my daddy always read the scripture to me. When I would ask my dad, dad, what do you think I ought to be? Like, you know, every kid does that. My dad would take me to Proverbs chapter three and he would read this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. And of course, he would direct your path. And time and time again, Samuel, when I would ask daddy, do you think I ought to go to the ministry? Think I ought to be a doctor? Think I ought to do this? He would take me right back to the scriptures. And so I tell young daddies today, you can't do wrong if you take your children to the scriptures because we don't have all the answers as fathers, earthly fathers. Yeah, yeah. Let, let me go back to one of those earlier ones that you mentioned because to me, this is one of the most critical things that I see with young people today, Christian young people, and especially as they get older. Uh, I mean, the younger they are, the more dependent upon us as uh, parents. Right. But the, as they as they grow older, friends become more important to them. Yep. And and that that passage and that that talks about choosing your friends and mm-hmm. uh, and that the way a young person chooses their friends will determine basically who they marry and it will determine what their values in life are to a great extent. And so to me, that is a critically important one to help our children to learn how to develop and create the right kind of relationships. What do you say about that? And what does the scripture say? And how, how, how do you help children to develop the, the right kind of relationships. Here's what I tell them. And I'm just going to read this quickly. In, in verse 10 of chapter one, Solomon is talking to his sons. And he says, my son or sons, if sinners entice you, do not consent. And so I'll spend a few moments with these, with these daddies and say, how do you define the word sinners? Who's a sinner? How do you know when a, when a kid's bad or good? And they give you feedback. If they tell you to come with them, don't consent. If they say, lie with us, we'll wait for, to shed innocent blood. We'll, he says, they'll be swallowed up and go to Sheol or hell. And those who go after precious possessions will fill our house with spoil and plunder. The thieves, the robbers, the drug addicts. My son, he says, do not walk in their ways. And I'll let the young daddies tell me I ask them point blank. Did some of you grow up with gangs? Did some of you grow up in bad homes? Oh, yeah. What were the characteristics? Well, we were stealing. We were doing drugs. So they're explaining what Solomon had just said to his sons. If sinners entice you. And, of course, now I tell them the word enticement is a fishing term. And if you've ever been fishing, use the bait. You're trying to catch what you're going after. And mm-hmm. sometimes I'll stop and I'll ask them, do y'all have a brief testimony? And sometimes, Sammy, it just opens up. These men will share about how somebody came into their life, could have been a deacon, could have been a pastor, could have been a Sunday school teacher, and pulled them away from those friends who were trying to entice them. And you're right. Peer pressure is tremendous. Always has been. Always will be. And these young, these young fathers, they're under peer pressure when they're in their 20s and 30s to be cool like their contemporaries. And so they're still dealing with that. I don't guess, I don't guess we ever get away from, from people that are trying to pull us in one direction or another. Does it make sense? Yeah. I, you know, with, with my children, uh, we were blessed. We were fortunate. You know, I pastored uh, a church in Germany and then here in the United States 
during, I think, the most critical years of their lives. Uh, when they were in high school, then I, I was the first you know, number of years I was in evangelism. Then there was a period of time where I felt like I needed to be at home. And so I got out of evangelism and I pastored a, a local church. And um, God just uh, blessed us. One of the things that happened was as I taught the parents to walk with God, then they taught their children to walk with God. And then it had an effect, uh, you know, my children, the, the kids they ran around with were just great kids. And, and, uh, you know, th that, that developed, um, tremendously, but, um, boy, I tell you what, there is a battle. Uh, there is a great battle that takes place, uh, in the lives of, of our children that this out there, what happens when a, a young person does go astray. What happens when a young person takes the bait? Uh, what What is a parent to do at that point? That is a great question. And that's, let me step aside for a minute before I answer that. I'm now pastoring, mm -hmm. a bivocational pastor, and we're still doing our evangelistic ministry, but I have been pastoring a church not far from home here for eight years. And I'll tell you what, Sammy, those dear people in our church where I'm pastoring, have taught me a lot more about family because I'm with them all the time. And I hear this question, what can I do? We've raised our children in church. We've taught them right. And now, you know, they feel it, fill in the blanks. They're doing drugs. They're doing this. They're doing that. And the key word is never stop praying for your children. You said it never. God can do more with our children than we can because he's always with them. Mm -hmm. We can't follow them 24-7. But I've always told our children, wherever they go, guess what? God's ahead of them. He's waiting on them. And so you don't stop praying. But on the other side, Sam, I'm finding a lot of parents today who are enabling their children to continue a bad lifestyle. In other words, they rescue their child every time that child gets in trouble. And I don't mean a little child. They can be 30 or 40 years old and they've been into drugs for years. And the parents keep bailing them out, keep rescuing them. And then the parents are wondering why their children aren't getting any better. So there's some there's a great series of books out there called Boundaries. Mm -hmm. and, uh, we have read it. My wife and I have dissected it. I think it's Henry Cloud. I'm not sure, but it's a great book on boundaries for children, boundaries for your life. And a lot of parents are not willing to set boundaries. And the reason a lot of our young people today are having the problems they are is because the parents have enabled them to do so. Mm -hmm. So I just say, look, we're not experts. You know, the story of Dr. James Dobson, of course, and his son, Dr. Dobson said, here I am on the radio, you know, years ago as a family expert for basically the world. And I'm having problems with Ryan. And now, of course, after all these years, Ryan's come back around. They've got a great ministry together. And doctor, I've heard Dr. Dobson say before, he said, you just never stop praying. And that's the key. We're not God. I've never encouraged our son or our daughter to go into the ministry. Our son's a pharmaceutical rep and is a great Christian witness. Our daughter works out of her own home. She and her husband live in Nashville. They're raising their family by the teachings of Scripture. And the best thing we can do is just set the example. You see, your prime example of not having a Christian father, but God, look what God did for you. Yeah. I never doubted my father's love, by the way. My, even though, you know, we didn't go to church, we didn't do any of those things. I knew my father loved me. That, that was always there. And the, so there was a certain sense of security that came with that. Uh, before he became ill, uh, he played baseball. He was our coach. He taught me uh, how to play basketball, and and our family is a basketball family. You know, we just love it, and and um, that that's one of the things for me that has been helpful. Uh, that that I did have an example with that when my father was able, he was there for me. 
And I think that's a, a Christ, and Christ-like thing. And by the way, he taught me some things, you know, uh, that, that he grew up in a Christian family and he knew the word and he taught me some things from the word that were principles of life. He didn't teach me the Bible, but he taught me those things that he had learned from the Bible. For instance, he taught me one day, he, uh, he, not just one day, he, he sort of a lifestyle. He says, son, boy comes, wants to fight you. You turn the other cheek. And I, I remember when I was in the sixth grade, there was a boy who came up to me. He wanted to fight. And, and I said, no, I'm not going to fight you. And, and, uh, and so he punched me, you know, and knocked me down. And, uh, I got up and I walked up, got in his face and turned my other cheek. <laughs> he punched really? me again, knocked <laughs> me down. And I, I went home all bruised up. And my dad said, you get in a fight, son. And, and I was, you know, no. And I, I told him what happened and I'll never forget. He said, son, I'm proud of you. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, he was teaching me the word, but even though he wasn't, you know, he had remembered it from his parents, sure. uh, something. And so, uh, that, that example is, is so important. And then spending time with your kids, you know, uh, do you find this in, in, I, I don't know, but I find among guys in ministry, especially it's, it's there, but also in the business world, uh, we get so busy that we think, you know, providing for our kids, uh, is what they need when they, what they need is us. And so we, we, we busy ourselves out of their lives. Oh, we do. I think that you've heard the old saying, the way you spell love to a child is T I M E. Mm -hmm. They want the time. They don't care if you're just in the, you know, what you, they want you in the room with them or out there. They want, you know, to say, daddy saw me play basketball or saw me lead a cheer. I was in a revival a few years ago at a very strong church in another, another state. And a young lady came up to me after the service one night and she was in tears. And this was a church where a lot of college kids went. And she said, uh, would you do me a favor this week? And I said, well, I'll, I'll try. What do you need? And she said, would you make an appointment with my father and ask him to take my mother on a date? So they haven't been out for mm -hmm. months. Would you ask him to come watch me cheer? She said, I'm a cheerleader. And this is my last year in school. Then would you ask him to come and watch my brother play basketball? He hasn't seen him all season. Would you, would you just ask him to give us some time? Hmm. And I said, sure. I said, I'll ask the pastor to, you know, for us to set up an appointment with this, with your father. And she looked at me and she said, my father is the pastor. Hmm. And see, I've heard this a lot of times. We have a lot of men who pastor churches, but they don't pastor their family. Yeah. I had a pastor stop me one day in the air, going to the airport. And he just started weeping. He said, Jerry, this weekend with your hope for the home conference. He said, I had to admit to myself that I know, I know more about the children in the church than I do about my own children. You see, you're right. Time is so important with our children. We only, we only have them a short time. Yeah. And they're going to remember things that we'll forget. But they'll say, Daddy taught me to turn the other cheek. I remember when Dad came to my ball game. I remember when Dad did this or Dad did that. And we'll forget it. But they remember it. Right. Get it. Time, you know, with this young generation, it's amazing with all of our iPhones and computers and everything, Sammy. We're spending more time with the artificial world than we are the real world. And I have actually, and I'm sure you have to, I have seen family members sitting in the same room texting each other. <laughs> yeah. They're not even talking, they're texting each other. Yeah. And so communication is broken down. And a lot of times in our afternoon sessions, we do a session for about two hours on Sunday afternoon called How to Communicate with Your, with your Teenager. And uh, 
a lot of the parents will say, you know, I'm upstairs or they're upstairs and we're texting each other. We don't eat our meals together. When we go to church, we sit in separate locations. We don't sit together. And they start naming all these things. We go to our ball games, but they're, on, they're out there on the court and we're up here in the stands. Bottom line is we don't talk. So until your daddy got sick, your daddy obviously talked to you. And that's, that's a prized possession in it. Yeah, it is. And communication, of course, in any relationship, communication is so important. Uh, I mean, with the father, you talked about prayer. Prayer is the communication part of our relationship with God, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, communication with God, you know, him sharing his heart with us, us sharing our heart with him. And, of course, his heart is found in the word of God. So we, we, we have that communication with him that, that is ongoing, uh, commun- communication with our wives, communication with our children. And we, we have to learn, I think, to enter into their world and to go into their world, see them, be with them. And, and that was what I was saying about whenever you know, there was a period of time, eight years, where I was not in evangelism, but I was a pastor and I, and I made that decision not completely, but uh, to a great extent, because I knew I needed to be with my kids. It was a time in their lives where they needed daddy at home and not traveling. And even when I started traveling again, I, I did what you did. I created my schedule to where I would not be away so much that they, they were like a, a single parent home. And, yeah. um, you know, I, and, and I think that's what we have to do. I, one of the things, Jerry, and, and I'd like to get your feedback on this, and then we'll, we'll wrap her up. But we have to develop a lifestyle that is conducive to developing those strong relationships. One of the things that happens is what, what I was talking about earlier is mom's busy, dad's busy, the kids are going this direction, and, and it just gets crazy in, in modern family life today. And, sure. and so the lifestyle is such that, that there's no room for communication, which is what you were talking about there. So how can you give me at least one thing that would be helpful to parents and child children in their relationship to develop a lifestyle uh, that is conducive to communication? I asked parents when we we're doing our hope for the home conference, I asked them to spend two to three minutes a day. And it doesn't seem like much, but two to three minutes a day with each child that they have looking them in the eye and saying, what kind of day did you have? And you know, you ask that to a, to a teenager, they go, Oh, privilege. Okay. And I was like, tell me something specific. What happened at school today? This is hard to believe, but we've been reading that the average American father spends less than 30 seconds a day with each child that he has. In, wow. in intense conversation. Now that's so you can be sitting in the room watching football or doing something else, but you're not talking. Yeah. And so when you look into somebody's eyes, especially the eyes of your child, and say, "What's going on in your life?" I encourage parents to do that, and then I encourage parents or parent, single parent, to have a prayer and one verse of scripture with each child they have. If they can bring them all around, which I, I encourage them to do, one verse. You don't have to read a chapter. Beck and I have gone through Proverbs so many times in 49 years, I've almost got it memorized. But that's what we did with our children. And now every morning, of course, they've been gone. Beck and I still read a chapter of Proverbs together every morning. So when you're reading that word of God and you spend a few seconds in prayer, 
it's just like a, a load coming off your shoulder. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, most parents say, I don't have time to do that. Sure we do. We take the time for what's the most important to us. And I'm, I'm encouraging parents in our Hope for the Home Conference. Now, our key verse is, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. That's our theme for the whole weekend. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if you live in a multi-million dollar mansion or if you just live in a humble dwelling. If the Lord doesn't build it, it's not a home. And so I deal with some the very basic foundations of of how to deal with that. And so our, from the heart of a father deals with how dads can raise their children. I've got some practical helps in there. And then Beck and I together have written a book called The 44 Ways to Strengthen Your Marriage. And there are suggestions that I've gotten from other married couples. And then I got about 40 or 45 great Christian leaders to help me a few years ago. We put together what was called the Hope for the Home Study Bible. Hmm. And there's about 200 pages in the back of that Bible that deal with family issues. And so when we do our conferences, we a lot of times just give them away, but it, it's a, it's it's the Bible, but the back of it deals with all family. Great, great. Well, listen, I I appreciate you sharing that with me and sharing these resources, and I hope people will get some of these resources. And uh, uh, there is hope for the family there today. Is. We live we live in a culture and a situation that it just looks sometimes like there's no hope, but there is hope, and there's hope in Christ. There's hope in His Word. Thank you for sharing his word. And, and boy, I think that um, uh, everybody ought to get this, this, this book uh, that really goes through Proverbs to give us wisdom. The Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives Amen. to all men liberally. And he's given us a liberal amount of wisdom right there in the book of Proverbs. Thank you, Jerry Drace, for being with us today. And, um, and I appreciate you sharing these great insights. And We look forward to more. God bless you. We hope you've been encouraged. If you'd like to hear more, visit SammyTippett.org. There you'll hear podcasts, watch daily devotionals, and obtain books by Sammy that will ignite your faith, your love of family, and a passion to reach others.